Hello and welcome to the Backline Report. We go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and check in on the world of golf to bring you the latest news, insights, analysis, interviews, recaps, previews. Hey, we cover anything and everything golf. In other words, if it happened in golf, we have it for you. My name is Carlos Torres. Every week, I'm alongside my co-host, Fred Alvader. Fred, hi, how are you this week? Carlos, just enjoying this uh, self-quarantining stuff. Um, spent a lot of time at home. Uh, just We're still working, still trying to do some stuff, but uh, we're not going to let coronavirus stop the back nine report. We, we, got, we got golf news for you. We're going to talk about it tonight, but, you know, this is the third week of no PGA Tour events and the cancellation of all professional golf tournaments around the world, really. Last weekend would have been the Valspar Championship from Innisbrook, but instead all the stands sat empty and we're in the process of being torn down. We should be previewing the WGC match play this week, but instead the pros are all at home with their families and hopefully adhering to social distancing. There may not be any tournament results to report, but we got a lot of golf to talk about. There's some really big stories coming out this week, Carlos. LPGA rescheduled the A&E Inspiration and the Portland Cambia, but canceled three more events. Canada and Australia kind of led to the Olympics being canceled or postponed, really, to 2021. Many tours are being played in Florida and Arizona. But, like I say, the biggest news this week is uh, the the postponement of the Tokyo Olympics. So, but the coronavirus can't stop golf on the back there report. So let's go, Carlos. Yeah, that's the big one. And we're going to talk about that, about the postponement postponement of the Olympics, which has me really shocked. But anyway, uh, let's get started. Uh, action really has not stopped in golf, especially when you see that while the leading golf tours in the world, right now they're taking a break from hosting events, Due to the coronavirus, there are so many tour events that are still being held. And, you know, they're throwing some big names. Like Anna Nordqvist. She's the Right now, she's the 95th ranked female in the world. And she won a three-round event on the Cactus Tour on Arizona. That was last Friday that it finished. It played the 18th, 19th, and the 20th. Uh, it was just a limited 27-player field but included some other well-known players like Amy Olsen, who right now is number 52 in the world, Linia Strom, who is number 150. So this is the shocker. And you would say, but what are they playing for? I mean, what is it? Because this tournament only had a purse of $9,500. That is according to Golf Week. Nordqvist, who competed in the Solheim Cup in September, likely she took home something in the range of $3,500 for first place. <laughs> I mean, she can get that just by going to a tournament. But anyway, she triumphed over fellow Swede Lisa Pedersen, finishing with a birdie in this two-playoff hole. So in a Darwinian turn, you know, many tour players are now receiving greater competition than in months past. And let me tell you, this isn't likely to end soon. At the end of February, before the coronavirus became a national emergency, and before the LPGA Tour season was set to pick back up. Carlota Siganda won the Morongo Legends event on the Cactus Tour. With a final round of 67, she's the 15th ranked player in the world. She won by seven strokes. 
but she wasn't alone because the number 175 player in the world, Tiffany Joe, was also playing. She finished solo fifth. I mean, it's unclear so far, Fred, how much this development will extend to the men's game. Uh, I would be surprised if it does. Uh, we may not be, maybe not the big pros, but maybe the Corn Ferry Tour people or maybe the PGA Tour Latin America. I mean, just last week, a mini tour event was held in Louisiana and online sports gambling site Bovada even offered lines for most competitors. <laughs> that, is, that would have been unheard of before. The next major's men tour event on the schedule is the Charles Schwab Challenge in late May. So tinier, lower tour events may be the only events in which any players right now can make money. I mean, even Holy Clyburn won a tournament, a mini tour tournament in Florida as well. So, Fred, there are some players, at least on the LPGA, that are getting their action, even though there's nothing going. But the great thing to know is that there's still golf being played. There can be mini tours but they're still offering some players the opportunity to keep their game going. And at the same time, those players that are on those mini tours that would have never, ever had the chance to play with players of that high caliber, that's their chance for them to get exposed to that big, big tournament feel, that big play. And yeah, I, I had a friend who told me, uh, you know, they're just abusing down there. no, they're taking the paychecks out of this, uh, those people on the mini tours. You know, that, yeah, that could be true. But anyway, they're playing really well. And the players that are on those tours are playing really up to par with those big players coming down to them. Yeah, you know, and uh, we saw last week we reported that uh, on Arquest uh, uh, did really well in, a, uh, in an outlaw tour event, which is a men's mini series uh tournaments in uh, in Arizona and I think she finished 26th something like that out of about a 60 some man field something like that um and so then she turns around and wins this week in a women's event on the cactus tour which the cactus tour holds about 30 events across California Arizona and Nevada uh, for women professional golfers uh taking checks out of somebody else's pocket ah, I don't buy that these are all professionals so you know if you can qualify you can play and besides that, as I was going to say on the Outlaw, Outlaw Tour last week, the men that were playing with her were really impressed, and they even made the comment, you know, it's great to be able to play with a, uh, you know, a major winner and, and someone of that status to see how they play and, and to see what's going on. So they're learning, and it's a great opportunity for these younger players who are playing these mini tours or less experienced, uh, less experienced players to, to watch somebody of Norquist's uh, stature play, see how she carries herself, see what she does. Um, it's a great learning experience for everybody. So don't begrudge them to play down there at all and get a little competition, get a few reps in. Great to see Holly Clyburn win. She's had a couple tough years. Uh, she did qualify again this year to get back on the LPGA Tour. And uh, lo and behold, now we got no tour to play on. So all the tournaments are canceled. So um, she's just trying to get out there, get a few reps in. She likes to play and, and uh, just know where to play. She moved to Florida to – to compete here in the United States and, you know, just, just trying to get someplace to play a little bit, but uh, great to see Norquist playing a little bit. You know, this is two weeks in a row for her. So maybe she'll take some time off again now, but um, evidently she's, you know, pretty, uh, pretty good place right now. So 
if they do get back to plan here in a month or six weeks or eight weeks or whatever, uh, she's going to be ready to go. She's going to be somebody to watch out for. So, um, Carlos, I guess that's about all I got on that for you. Yeah, just like you were saying, to me, the way that all these other players, they're pros, they know, and they don't get that chance to see those type of big-time players play alongside them. Some of them can even go and pick their mind, the minds of those those other players. That's the way they do. Hey, what you, what did you, what would you do in this situation? Or, of course, not on the course, but afterwards or before they would talk. You know, and that's the way that they, like you were saying, how they compose themselves in certain situations. That's what they need to learn. This is like a learning experience for them, and I'm sure. There is no complaints. I haven't heard any complaints from the players. Just a couple of people, no. like saying, "Oh, they shouldn't be going there. They're taking the money away." And they're not. They're not. No. I bet you, there's not a single player down there saying they should not be playing there. They, they, no. they would really cherish the time that they would spend with them and learn. You know, Carl. About you know, players. just to watch how they practice. You know, to watch their chipping practice. Uh, you know, I, when I go to tournaments, um, I go around the chipping area around to watch them on their short game, what they're doing. Uh, also uh, go, uh, like, out on the range and watch them uh, hit balls, how they do it. And so the other pros that are around them are watching to see what they do and, and uh, what, they, what they spend their time on and even kind of watch their technique to see if they can lean anything or pick anything up that will help them down the road. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be learned, and someone like Nordquist who goes down and plays with these guys, uh, they, they are appreciative of that, I guarantee you. Oh, definitely. And just to close that, I was uh, – I don't remember where, but I was seeing this picture of uh, this photo of Sebi Ballesteros being taught on how to turn by Nick, uh, by Nick Faldo in a tournament. That was a long time ago, of course. But, you know, even those pros, uh, and it was at Sebi – looked at Nick one time and said, I like the way that you do that turn. Can you teach me how you do that? And the funny, the funny thing was that uh, Nick was saying, yeah, I taught him, and then he finished 27, and I won the tournament, so it worked. <laughs> <laughs> that shows you that even the big-time pros get, try to get some tips from each other. So uh, chill out, man. This is just for learning. So anyway, let's talk about now with that. that there was nothing else for us to, to cover on the weekend backspin, what happened before this past weekend. But there, let's talk about the four calls. What do we know about the schedule right now? We, we know that these concerns over the spread of the COVID-19 virus have caused a cancellation or postponement of sporting events or the, uh, the, sports, uh, the world sports. So... You know, domestic sports leagues such as the NBA, the NHL, MLB, MLS, and ATP Tour, along with the NCAA, have all shut down competition for the foreseeable future. I mean, the same is occurring in the world of golf. So far, we know that in the PGA Tour, they have canceled the Players' Championship, the Valspar Championship, the Match Play, the Coracales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship, the Valero Texas Open, the RBC Heritage, the Surrey Classic of New Orleans, the Wells Fargo, the AT&T Vital Nelson, those have been canceled. That's all the schedule until May 7th to the 9th. They have postponed the Masters, 
We don't know when it's going to be played, if it's going to be played this year. We don't know when. They have postponed the PGA Championship. We don't know when either. So they are going to be played. We don't know where. They're going to be there. The European Tour has canceled two tournaments. They have postponed seven. So they have. I don't know how they're going to make that up because they, they, they postponed everything from March 12 uh, and 15 to May 21 to the 24. The LPGA has canceled four and has postponed six. And the PGA Tour champions have, has canceled already five of them. The Corn Ferry Tour has canceled three, postponed four. The Symmetra Tour has postponed two. There has been five tournaments in the college and amateurs canceled, and three of them, including the, uh, the Augusta National uh, Women's Amateur, the Drive Ship and Putt National Finals, and the Women Asia Pacific Amateur have been postponed. But Fred, we don't know when are they going to be played and where. So uh, how do you see everything that has been moving so far? What have you heard? Yeah, what it looks like, uh, they're talking about taking – now with you know with the Olympics being canceled, that opens up another week in, uh, at the end of August. Um, so you could possibly have the uh, PGA Championship slip, slip into that, um, into that time frame. You could have uh, – it looks like the Masters is going to be sometime in October. So they're going to have to move something around to make that fit. But you've got some of these other weeks now that are open that one of these other tournaments could be played or it could just be played as an offensive field event because it's a fall series event anyhow. Uh, none of these big guys that are going to be in the Masters would have been in that offensive field event anyhow or don't need to be. So um, I would Im- imagine that's how that's going to work. Um, but with without the Olympics now, um, it just it just creates a lot of confusion, um, and you're going to have some time in there to do some stuff. So um, on the PGA Tour, you know they've pretty much got everything canceled through the um, you know through the middle of May, um, with the PGA Championship to be moved. The one before that was the Byron Nelson; they just canceled that. Um, and uh, the only thing that we're hanging out there on is the Master to PGA. Everything else has been canceled. So um, on the Champions Tour, um, they're canceled clear out to uh, to the June because the MasterCard Japan Championship has been canceled. Um, the Regents Tradition, which is one of their majors, uh, has been moved. It's going to be moved into September from May 4th to the 10th. Um, on the Corn Ferry Tour, You've got everything canceled there up until the middle of May, which includes uh, now that includes uh, the Veritex, Huntsville, Simmons Bank, Casey, uh, Knoxville. All those are now gone. The Lake Charles Championship that I was down there a month or so ago and and did some promo work and we did some video and had it up and, and that was to be next week actually, and that's been canceled. Um, the Latino America Tour, uh, they're canceled. Um, well, everything there is postponed. Uh, they haven't really canceled anything officially, but they've had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They got nine tournaments right now, clear out through the end of May, that are in the postponed category. The McKenzie Tour, um, they were supposed to have. Uh, they got four tournaments that that are in in limbo. They were really just starting next week, uh, and so they really haven't decided what they're going to do yet. 
And then the PGA Tour in China, um, that again, too, is in limbo. That's all post. When I, I doubt if they have any golf in China this year. I, I, I would be very surprised. Um, you know, Asia is still kind of a mess with the coronavirus. So I really, decide, really doubt if they have anything over that all. So on the men's side, uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's just from now through the middle of May, there's just nothing happening. And to get it started sooner than that, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult. So, Carlos, realistically, we're looking at a June 1 uh, time frame. Um, we're talking to we, – we, we do some work with the, the Rocket Mortgage uh, Classic, and they were supposed to be on our Michigan uh, uh, Golf Journal cover, uh, which, you know, the April cover, which is coming out here, and, and we had to pull that. They didn't want to do it, so they got to drop back in 12 and punt. So they don't know what they're doing. They're up in limbo. Uh, they're the week before the memorial. Um, so it's just it's so much confusion right now, Carla, but what we do know, everything is pretty much officially canceled or postponed through the middle of May. On the LPGA Tour, again, he just they just uh canceled uh, four more events. Um so it's you know they got nothing going so far this year really. Um you got the uh, ANA inspiration has been uh, rescheduled for September the 10th. So they are going to try and get that in. That's a major. Um let's see. They just canceled um Mission Hills. Okay, no, they just canceled the uh or they rescheduled the Portland Cambia uh, to uh, the week after the ANA to September 17th, um, and they uh, they canceled the um, uh, three events: the Latte Championship that was going to be in Hawaii, uh, the Eagle Air Premier that was going to be in LA, and the LPGA Metahill, which was going to be in Daly City, California, at the end of April, beginning of May. So they've got everything shut down, clear into May as well. Um, and they're really hurting because they've only had a couple of events this year. Uh, you know, they had the event in Florida. Um, so they're really hurting. That, and they had the event in uh, in Australia. So they're really hurting for events. Uh, I, you know, this is hurting these uh, the ladies' incomes. It's hurting the guys' incomes. You know, and you made a point earlier. I meant to say something about when we were talking about the mini tours um, that, you know, maybe see some of these guys play. Well, these Corn Ferry Tour guys and the, um, the you know, the, the Latino America and the McKenzie Tour, these guys don't have a lot of money. I mean, they, they need money to support their families. So, you know, they, they need to find someplace to play just you know, to make a buck, um, unless they're playing in a money game someplace or somebody's giving them some bucks somewhere. But, um, you know, they're not rich guys, so they've they got to find somewhere to play and if they can play in a mini tour event and make a thousand bucks or a couple thousand bucks, they're probably going to do it. So um, these guys are all looking for someplace to car- play, Carlos. Um, and one thing I'm going to, before I turn it back to you, uh, one interesting thing that Michael Wan did say was that uh, they're even looking at combining events for later in the year. So they'll go to one place and maybe have two sponsors. There'll be two tournaments in one. So they'll be playing for one big purse. So maybe it'll be a, a tournament that would normally have a uh, like a one and a half million dollar purse. They're going to bring in another sponsor and with his million and a half. And so they're all going to play then for three million dollars. 
Uh, so instead of winning two fifty or three hundred thousand to win, they'll be playing for five hundred or uh, or six hundred thousand dollars for a first place check. So at least these ladies maybe can can make a few bucks and salvage something out of the year. I thought that was really a unique idea. I like that. I don't know if the PGA Tour would ever consider doing something like that, but uh, I, I think that's a that's a really good idea right there, Carlos. Oh, definitely, and it shows why Michael Wan is the commish. He is the leader of all commissioners on all tours. I mean, there's no one like him. And uh, he went to bat for his players, which uh, we have to talk about that tweet that really blew up somehow. And he didn't even know. I mean, in the, man, in the midst of all this nationwide sports cancellation, the LPGA Tour, whose season hadn't yet kicked off, basically got lost in the shuffle, right? So, but there was a particular moment during last week from that tour that stood out. Well, you know, while the PGA Tour was still grappling with their decision on how to continue their season, the LPGA Tour announced their own cancellations, right? And then the LPGA com uh, commissioner, Michael Wan, took to Twitter shortly after and went to bat for his players. And I'm going to read you that tweet. And it says, to all sponsors who endorse at LPGA athletes, the tweet reads, please consider and please is in all caps consider disregarding number of events they play or how many times they're televised in 2020 i know they want to play but we are keeping them and others safe please don't penalize them for my decisions respectfully mike i mean the tour had already gotten out in front of things with earlier cancellations on their asian swing but this statement fred was some powerful stuff, impressive leadership from one in the face of adversity, stepping out, letting the, everybody know, hey, it's, it's me, but we are keeping them safe. Please don't, don't blame them for this. This is all bigger than any of us. You know? and, and like you're saying, I think that it's a wonderful idea to get the sponsors and, and try to somehow make up for the money lost so far because for right now female athletes all over not only on the lpga the financial fallout hits especially hard for them because not only they there's still this gap in their in the income between the men and the women so now they they're getting more tournaments canceled or postponed than what the men have the men at least had almost a quarter of the season already gone before the women were just starting. They played just a couple of handful events before it, it got suspended. So it shows, again, all the proactivity and the leadership that Michael One has and that mind that has made the LPGA Tour the great show that it is right now. Well, you know, you and I both agree 100% on the fact that uh, Michael One, I mean, he's the top one or two sports league commissioners in the world. He just does. From where he took over the LPGA Tour in 2010 to where they're at today, 10 years later, uh, it's just like night and day. And we said this before, they were so excited to start 2020. They were going to have like $75 million in total purse. They had, you know, 30-some uh, tournaments to play. And, you know, the UL crown was going to be played again. And, you know, the Olympics and all this stuff, it was going to be a gigantic year. 
looking ahead again to the uh, Solheim Cup again next year. And they had all this great vibe going in January, and all we get is a fizzle out. We get nothing here because of this whole thing. And like you say, this has to be hurting their pocketbook. Um, you know, when you uh, – pro golfers, whether you're men, women, whatever, if you don't play, you don't get paid. Um, and so they got to live, they got to eat, they got to pay their bills just like everybody else. Um, so it, it's got to be hurting, especially some of the lower end ladies, um, who don't maybe have a, you know, a savings account or, a you know, a, a 401k or something built up, you know, a bunch of mutual funds that they can rob. So, um, yeah, but Carlos, Michael Wan's just doing a fantastic job. He's always out of head of everything. It seems like he's always on top of it. Um, and I know that when they can get to back to playing, he will do whatever he can do to help the women on the LPGA tour. And so uh, I, I just hope I, I, I keep, you know, I keep saying this and I hope it doesn't come true, but somebody, some major corporation is going to come one of these days and offer him a boatload of money and he's going to have to take it because he's too good of an administrator, too good of a manager uh, to just probably be doing the LPGA tour. Um, so but yeah, Carlos, um, it's it's they have just basically wiped out pretty much almost six months of season, half the year for the LPGA Tour, and they got a lot of catching up to do. Every time you mention that, I cringe. You know, I, I try to just not listen to when you say that somebody will snatch him out. I know it's, it's just like a nightmare that would happen here on the LPGA Tour. But anyway, uh, well, when that, you see when you when you see these CEOs of these major corporations knocking down fifty, seventy, a hundred million dollars a year with stock options and all the other stuff, private jet, you know, the whole deal. Um, I, I know Michael Wan's not poor. I know he's making good money. Okay, being the commissioner of the LPGA Tour, but he's not making what he could make as the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and he could step into that role today. So, um, you know, maybe he'll get the LPGA Tour to a place where he really wants it someday, and he'll say, okay, I've gotten as far as I can. It's time to let somebody else do it, and then go do one of these other things and build up his retirement. But uh, um, it would be great if he could stick around it and keep doing this because uh, he just does such a wonderful job. And, Carlos, we've had him on the show. I've personally talked to him several times. Um, he's always a great interview. Matter of fact, I, I, I have to say, I, I reached out the other day, uh, to try and just to see, I knew he would probably be too busy, but I did send a note and say, Hey, I, I know you're very busy. And if you'd have a couple of minutes, I'd love to take just a few minutes thing. And it, you know, I got a nice response back. You know, we're just not doing any interviews right now. Uh, they got too many things going on. You can imagine the phone lines that are burning up between the PGA, the PGA tour, the RNA, the masters, the LPGA tour, um, you know, you, you, can you imagine the phone lines and the, and the conference calls that are going on right now um, between all these places trying to figure out, put this puzzle together? I mean, this is a big jigsaw puzzle we're talking about here. Uh, and then, oh, you got to throw in NBC, uh, CBS, and Golf Channel into that too because they've got to once these guys, it's all part of the, the scheduling puzzle to get all these guys on board, where they're going to do it, when they're going to do it, how they're going to do it, how are they going to broadcast it. Um, it, it's it's a giant headache. I'm glad I I'm not involved in it, but uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And I and I and I'm just going to mention this right here, Carlos. I I'm very hopeful. I, I I'm more hopeful tonight 
after talking to some people today, I've been on the phone most of the day, all day today, really, um, and talking to different people. Um, and I'm more hopeful tonight than I've been through this whole thing. Um, and I don't know any of this is fact, um, but um, there is a possibility that this malaria drug that they've de developing in Australia really uh, is working on this stuff. And so they're seeing results within two days. Um, and so if they can mass produce this thing, if, if they can test it and it, and it works like they're thinking, if they can mass produce that, get that up here, if we can get it out to all the states, uh, let's say that we can get this uh, to, in place in, in a lot of the states here by the end of next week or into the beginning of April, and, and the government can say, okay, we've got something now. Uh, we can at least say, okay, people can, you know, try to try to limit your contact with older people or whatever or infirm. But if you're that way, stay home still. But everybody else can get out and move around because, you know, you're healthy enough. You can, you can ward off some of this. And if it does become a problem, here's a pill you can take. And we can get the airlines going. We can get, you know, business back up and running again. Maybe we can be back in business by the end of April. You know, maybe by the middle of April, things can be turning around. And by the end of April, into May, we can be back where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, like I say, I don't know any of this is fact, but I'm very hopeful, Carlos, from what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm reading, what people are talking about, um, there may be a light at the end of the tunnel for this thing. And all that will then be reflected back into the pro golf tours getting back up and running. Yeah, I've heard also about uh, one, this side of the states in Massachusetts, the Moderna laboratories, that they are already testing uh, some 25 people that, of course, they're being paid. They're being uh, testing on the, on the virus. They, of course, they're doing for a vaccine. That's what they're doing, which means they're injecting the virus in their bodies and trying to see how it works, combating it. And for what I heard and I read, uh, it's working. And it would be because they're using artificial intelligence uh, for this to do the algorithms to develop the vaccine and apparently it would be a record that they could have something they started in january and they're saying that everything so far is working and if it would go as it is we could see something as early as in late june which would be six months a record for a vaccine which uh, previously was 13 months but that's how yeah. technology is working right now uh using artificial intelligence big time uh computing machines so uh, again, we're not the scientists. We're just saying what we heard and what we read. But anyway, with that, Fred, let's close out the four call and let's hear some words from Boyne. Just a real quick little message from Boyne. Uh, talked to them on the phone uh, the other day. Uh, they're currently closed right now, of course. They're between ski season and golf. They're still making plans to officially open May the 1st if conditions permit. Um, you can still visit their website at boing.com forward slash golf to book incredible pricing for a golf trip later this summer. Check it out. Visit boing.com forward slash golf. That's boing, B-O-Y-N-E.com forward slash golf, Carlos. Uh, hopefully everything will be back and running. We'll be playing golf in northern Michigan in no time. All right. With that, we move now to the Par 5 News, where every week we pick five big pieces of news and we talk about them. And the first one has to be the biggest one of them all right now. And uh, when I heard this, I was like, 
I don't know. It can't be. I mean, the international. Yeah, not not only me. There's a lot of people in the world right now because, bar none, there is no bigger event, sporting event in the world than the Olympics. There might be people that differ on that, but they can just go and see the stats worldwide. Every single country is waiting every four years to go and play in the Olympics. And this time, it's not going to be played. The International Olympic Committee took that extraordinary step Tuesday of postponing the 2020 Tokyo Games, which were scheduled to start in July 24th because of the coronavirus outbreak. But just how extraordinary this step was, I was researching and I saw that this marks only the fourth time since the modern Olympics were held in 1896 that the games have been drastically affected by outside forces, by a force majeure, right? The other three occasions were cancellations, was not postponed. So this is actually the first time that they get postponed. Those cancellations were during the First and Second World Wars. So this is the first time the Olympics have been postponed rather than being canceled. Uh, I mean, this is the premier event of this year's sports. Uh, Now we know officially that it will not happen. So amid this uncertainty, uh, the IOC, alongside with uh, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, uh, Abe went on his office said on social media that the games will be held by the summer of 2021. Really, we this just started. I mean, it should take. It will likely take weeks to sift through all the ramifications of this change. Uh, I mean, you can talk about what does this mean for the athletes. We, can, I can have a full show talking about that. How will this impact Olympic qualifications? Uh, how will this impact the global sports calendar? Because there are 33 sports that make up the Summer Olympics, which means there are 33 international sports federations that now must adapt to the new timing for the Games. Everything falls out of place. And the financial implications of this decision, uh, Fred, I, I can go on the whole show talking about this, but I'm going to defer to you right now before I I say some other things. (laughs) I know you need to gather yourself probably. Uh, I know this was a big blow to you uh, when I read that uh, this morning. And really, I mean, they pretty much had to do this. Um, Maybe they jumped the gun a little bit, but probably not. Uh, with with, With China and Asia being the hotbed for this uh, COVID-19 um, coronavirus, uh, it's just, it had to be too risky. Uh, Canada and Australia were calling for postponement. Uh, the U.S., uh, a couple of the teams on the U.S. squad were saying, hey, this should not be going on. We don't want to go over there for this uh, if this is still going to be an issue. Um, and, you know, as you say, you, it's just not the Olympic schedule at the end of July, beginning of August. You have to do all the qualifications that have to be done two, three months in advance that would have to have travel, that would have to have people in different places. And so it just, it just couldn't be done. Um, even though, you know, by the time we get to the end of July, this thing may be all pretty much wrapped up and under control, 
That's not the problem. It's the problem, all the stuff that has to go on before all the qualifications, all the championships, all the things everybody has to do to actually make the team. So uh, that's the real issue. Uh, so they're going to do it next year. Um, and, uh, you know, like you say, then that creates problems. What, where do they, what time slot do they put it in? What's going on next year? What do they have to work around? Um, so it, it's a big deal. And you, then you got Japan that's socked money, Tokyo into stadiums and venues and hotels and all the things to house the athletes and take care of them when they're there. All that money sunk into this stuff. So now it's going to you have to wait around for a year to be used. Um, it's just, it's a massive, massive problem, but you know what, Carlos, in the, in the whole big scheme of things, I, I'm, I'm sure I, there's no doubt in my mind, they made the right call. There is just no question about it. Uh, there's no way they could have done this thing. And, uh, if Japan's on board and they can work with holding off a year and then doing it next year and everything can work out, everything else can be, everything else can be worked around. They'll figure it out. So we're learning, you know, and it's amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's amazing that people, when they really sit down and talk through things, they we can figure it out. Everything can be worked out and figured out. I and I'm amazed in times like this. Look, you know, there's a few glitches in our in our country, uh, and I'm not going to get into those. But but there are some people that I want to just shoot sometimes. But but for the most part. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking 98 percent here, and, and, and even in, in, in our small towns, when, when we're out, if we have to run to the grocery store, people are very considerate. They, they don't get close. We all stay away. Give each other time uh, to do what you're going to do, um, and people are so nice and considerate. Uh, our neighbors here, we talk to them, you know, out on the street or, you know, from the porch or something. Um, everybody understands that we're all in this together. And when people pull together and work together against a common cause, and I don't care if you're from the United States, if you're from Japan, you're from Russia or UK or wherever, everybody just seems to come together and, and figure it out. And, and, our, and our ability to do that, Carlos, is just amazing to me. And I, I'm so, so proud, really, of how our whole country here, the United States, is, is working to defeat this thing and work with it. It's no mean – we got, we got people that have no income right now. I mean, you talk about a, a, a young person who's maybe a waiter or kitchen help in a hotel or a restaurant who has no income right now. They got to pay rent. They got to pay their electric bill. They got to eat. They got no income right now, nothing. Um, and our government is expecting them to get along, and, and uh, it just, Carlos, this whole thing blows my mind. It's it just, it just above my pay grade to understand. But the way that this Olympic kit committee has come together, along with Japan and along with the other countries, say, yeah, we can't get this done. We got to go to next year. Uh, it's just one more step in all this whole thing of making this all work. And, and Carlos, I, I, it just blows my mind the whole deal. You know, to me, the I understand and I, I agree. I mean, it had to be done, but still, you can't help but think about what it means for these athletes. They yep. live in four years uh, cycles. That's what they yep. do. 
they train all these four years to peak this July. What does this mean for them now? I mean, yeah. they have carefully crafted training programs. Uh, they must go back now to the drawing board if they want to take another crack at it. Even the, the, the Olympic president, Thomas Bach, let's give an example for him. He was a fencer. He would likely, he would have won a second gold medal in fencing at the 1980 Kings before the boycotts derailed that plan. He retired shortly thereafter at the age of 27. He, he knew there was not going to be another chance. Uh, the Olympic qualification, 57% of the Olympic spots had already been clinched. So my question is, are those athletes now automatically qualified for next year's games, or do they have to re-earn their spots? Uh, as for the other 43%, what does the qualification process look like moving forward? Uh, is it at as simple as rescheduling events like the larger U.S. Olympic trials in sports such as wrestling, swimming, track and field, gymnastics. Uh, how about the Winter Olympics? I mean, what's going to be the impact on them? The calendar. Again, I said there's 33 sports that make up the Summer Olympics, so those international sports federations must now adapt. How about the TV already that was the the TV contracts, the TV schedules that were separated for this. Now what are you going to do? Next year, I bet that those spots were already predestined for something else. So how are you going to compete with that? I mean, and also let's take it to golf, which already compressed their schedule this year. Now they're going to have to redo it for next year. So, again, the scheduling, the calendar, the global sports calendar gets affected. You were talking about the financial implications. Let me tell you something. NBC, which owns the American Broadcasting Rights, also has insurance. I mean, the company is in the sixth year of a $7.75 billion deal with the IOC, which will run through, through 2032. But those top sponsors, such as P&G and Visa, they're also paying millions for the rights to be associated with the games. So uh, what are they going to do? The Japanese economy, they were already hurting by a drop in tourism this spring. Uh, they are the ones that are going to probably take the biggest hit from that financial standpoint because they spend about $28 billion to host these games. So it, they were anticipating already an economic optic in return, uh, with spectators flying in from around the world, spending money at hotels, restaurants. But what happens now? All of that projected revenue, at least for this year, is gone. No more. And some of the money the local government had already spent to host the games this summer might be needed in 2021 to do it all over again. Where are they going to get it from? Now, I got a question asked uh, when, I, when I heard this, uh, that you tweeted to me, and I was like, oh, my God, this cannot be happening. So somebody yeah. told me, do you think they're going to ultimately cancel them? And the, the answer, I don't know it, but it's possible. Yeah, I mean, though the IOC and the Japanese government have explicitly ruled out a cancellation, you never know. There remains that chance. The logistical hurdles could prove insurmountable in the coming months. Because of all that I have been saying, I mean, 
what is it going to go, the calendar, all those contracts? I mean, IOC and Japanese government are obviously confident those obstacles can be overcome, and their decision to postpone is evidence of that. But in, of course, they must have talked already to NBC. They have talked. They must have talked to all the federations. But actually, overcoming them, Fred, is going to be something a, a beast totally different. So we'll definitely we'll keep. This is going to take weeks to sort out and sift through. So this is just the beginning of it, and, and we'll continue to talk about it as we know more. Uh, but in all likelihood, uh, I don't think the winter games are going to be impacted. I mean, the IOC has never offer any indications that the summer games will impact the winter games. So we'll see what happens, Fred. It's, it's really, like you said to me, it's a fluid situation. Yeah. And, and that's, what, that's what we're seeing in golf. I mean, every day it's like something new comes out. So I, was, I, I waited. I've been watching stuff all day to see if anything changed from what we would put down yesterday we were going to talk about tonight. And, and uh, just like this Olympic thing, boom, it pops up. It becomes the number one news story just you know within a few minutes time earlier today. So uh, it's it, it is a very fluid situation, and I think you're right. I don't see how it affects the winter games. Uh, that'll still be even if you know that's two years out, and so it'll be one year still after the uh, after the 2021 if they hold the games next year. So I can't imagine what affect that because the construction and all the things are ongoing for for those games. Uh, you know even now so. Uh, but yeah, it's it uh, as you say, the Olympics is a big deal, and when you have to cancel those things or postpone them, I should say, um, that's a big deal. But again, I just I my hats off, and you know the IOC takes a lot of heat for all the crap that they do. Uh, but in this instance, to me, I think they acted pretty quickly and pretty decisively, and I think they they got it right, Carlos. They did. It's just, uh, it's just mind-boggling. All that we're gonna have to see from now on of regarding that. But anyway, let's move on and let's talk about uh, an interesting topic. And it's uh, the RNA and the SGA have decided that they will delay their previously announced request for research topics related to their distance insects project. With that comprehensive report that was revealed back in February fourth. The associations shared that they would be releasing a list of related research topics within 45 days for further study. That is due right now. So, but in the light of this current COVID-19 pandemic sweeping the world, they have decided to delay that announcement until a more suitable time. They released a statement to the media, and of course, they're saying that right now at this moment. Basically, the golf industry needs to focus on its response to the ongoing pandemic, pandemic so that's why they have delayed it. And again, <clears throat> yeah, there's no, there's no time right now for this. Um, every industry in the world right now is being affected. I don't think there's anything that they would have gained by moving this. Uh, I mean, there's no golf being played anyway. Uh, and uh, I, I, this is another decision that I think is the right one. Uh, they should not be focusing on anything else than helping the golf industry recover itself right now. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, this is such a minor topic <laughs> with, with all the other stuff that we've got uh, going on in the world. 
uh, this uh, topic to me is so far on the back burner that uh, I, I even debated about even mentioning the fact that they that they announced they were going to do that. So, um, yeah, this whole distance thing, I, I see it as kind of a, I don't know, kind of a joke. Anyway. Their mind's already made up what they're going to do. So they're just going about going kind of going through all these steps to make everybody feel good, think that they – they have some input in it, but uh, I don't think they really do. I think they know what they're going to do. It's just we just got to sit back and wait. So if they hold off doing these uh, research topics for a little bit, I don't think it's going to make any difference. So, um, but we'll be talking more about the distance report going forward, Carlos. Uh, you can uh, you can be assured of that. Most definitely. And now let's talk about Brad Faxon because eight members of the Metacomet Golf Club have filed this lawsuit against the club owners, including local golf legend Brad Faxon, claiming a breach of contract, misrepresentation, fraud, and other charges. That suit was filed on the Rhode Island Superior Court Monday. Among those plaintiffs were Joseph Rogers III, which is the son of a former Superior Court presiding justice, and Dr. William Sioffi, the surgeon-in-chief at Medium and Rhode Island Hospitals. The members are claiming that Faxon and his investment group, the Metacomet Property Company, misled the club and made numerous promises after buying the Donald Ross design course that they did not live up to. So now Metacomet Property Company has announced its plans to sell the golf club to Marshall Development which has set its plans to redevelop the site into an exciting first-class mixed-use property that will bolster both commerce and community in the Upper Bay. So, Fred, those plans contradict discussions Faxon and his partners had with the members on November 18 at a town hall-style meeting, uh, according to the lawsuit. That's what they're saying. So the suit claims the owners gave a visual and audio presentation to the dues-paying members of the club describing all the intended golf operations for the club for this golf year, uh, and now they're selling. So Metacomet Property Company assessed each member $3,800 for the 2020 golf season, but nearly three months later, the membership was alerted to the negotiations to sell. So on February 27th, then the sale was uh, announced to Marshall, and here we are. Uh, what's your take on that? I mean, this was Brad Faxon's childhood club, and uh, I'll let you know my take very quick after I hear yours. Well, I got a question for you, okay? So if I got a car and uh, I'm having trouble making the payments on that baby. And uh, I call you up, and I know you need a car. And I say, Carlos, I, I got this car, and, you know, I, I need to sell it. And, and you say, oh, okay, I'll, I'll buy it. And, oh, yeah, I had a loan on it. You're, you're going to take the loan over, and, and you're going to give me some money on top of it. And, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm walking away free and clear of this thing, and, and you get it, and you're going to drive it. And, and – you know, three or four months later, you turn around and sell it for two or three thousand dollars more than I sold it to you, and I come back and say, "Well, well, hey, I didn't know you were going to sell. I I sold it to you because you were going to drive it, and and you made that extra profit. I, I want some of that money back. 
Does that work in the United States? I think not. Uh, once I sell it, it's out of my name. It's your name. You own it. You're free and clear to do whatever you want to with it. Well, I don't. I'm not an expert on this case right here, but just reading through this story, yes, uh, Faxon and his group, I think, tried to keep it as a as a golf course. They, you know, he grew up here. You know, Faxon, I think, is a pretty good guy. From I've been around him a little bit, a couple different times. He seems pretty good. Um, he, I know people that know him pretty well, and they speak very highly of him. Um, and he is pretty much a legend up in Rhode Island and Connecticut. Um, people love him up there. Um, so um, he he was the one that kind of, kind of led this group and, and these investors, I think there was five of them all told, uh, they took over more than $2 million in debt and back taxes, plus they paid 750000 on top of that. So you know, they didn't just steal this place. They they paid a pretty good chunk of money for it, um, you know, uh, almost $3 million bucks that they stocked down in this thing. And they tried to kind of run it the rest of the year last year. Uh, one of the things that I know the membership were complaining about was that uh, instead of just maintaining it as a private club, they, they went semi-private, so they allowed, uh, they were able to sell some tea times to the public and that kind of thing. Uh, and some of the members complain, which you're always going to have. Whenever you have a private club and you go to semi-private and you sell some tea times, the members are going to feel like they're getting pushed to the side and there's not enough tea times for them. Well, that's just what you get. And now, guys, you were members before. You owned it as a country club. Now you don't own it anymore. So you either go join another club or you just keep your mouth shut. You know, that's all there is to it because you don't own it anymore. you got no say in it. Um, and he said, well, we were sold a bill of goods. No, you sold your right. You're done. You're gone. You're out of here. Um, if they want to sell it, if, if they say this is not, there's no future in this, this is not going to work, and they want to sell it to a real estate company, then they can sell it to a real estate company. And that's what looks like happening here to me. I think this probably lawsuit is probably not going to go very far. Um, but even if there were some promises made, I, I don't know how that the you know, they can, they can uphold those. So Carlos, I, that's my take on it. I, I feel, I, I, I'm sure Fax feels bad about uh, not being able to keep it as a, as a club and not being able to keep it as a golf course for the local community. But, uh, and Carlos, I'm going to tell you right now, before I turn this back over to you, um, with what we're seeing right now, uh, I'm so afraid. Uh, you know, we saw, from 2010, 11, 12, 13, we saw a lot of golf courses closing up and going away. And I'm afraid there were so many golf courses walking a fine line, just keeping their head above water. Now you take them pretty much out of play for two months here and cut that income. Uh, I'm afraid there's going to be a lot of courses that are going to be forced to sell to real estate developers or other uses other than a golf course. Cause it's just, uh, this is just too much. They can't handle all this stuff, and and I'm afraid that's kind of what's happened here, Carlos. I totally agree with you on that one, and that's a big worry. We have already seen how many layoffs have been done, especially on the on the on the hospitality and also the retail stores. I mean, because that's what they 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 live on that income, and the, how are the golf clubs going to get their income right now? And 
my point when I said this is uh, that I emphasized that there was this was Brad Faxon's childhood club was to say that, like you mentioned, and I agree totally, is that Brad, I am sure this was not an easy decision for him. I am sure it wasn't. Uh, because there's a sentimental value for this, and that's why we have seen so many other golf pros go back and buy properties uh, of their childhood childhood uh, places so that they can try to improve them and even enhance them and, and, and try to pay back some of it. I'm sure that was his intention when he was talking to the to the previous owners and the members of the club. Hey, this is what I have. I have all these ideas, but I'm sure that things didn't work out. And unless there was some written that I haven't heard or read about, there was something written on the contract when they bought it, this is not going anywhere, anywhere. Because those are plans that he has, but if circumstances changes, there's no way you can force him to put out money he doesn't have just because he said he was going to do that. Oh, well, circumstances change in business all the time. You have to pivot and change and try to adapt. In this case, he has to sell. Like it's going to happen probably, and like you're saying, we're afraid that it's going to happen to some more uh, because there's no way they can make up that income. So, again, this I don't see this going anywhere, and uh, I assure you I think this must have been a very difficult choice, decision for Brad Faxon to make. Anything else we you have on that before we go to the world golf nope. rankings? No, nope. I think All we right. covered that one. So let's talk about both the official world golf ranking on the man and the Rolex women's world golf ranking because they have been paused indefinitely. They said it in a co-statement uh, saying that they will be paused until further notice because right now, professional golf, like we have been saying, is currently inactive. There's nothing that the players can accrue. And it makes sense. They're not playing, so there's no way you can say, okay, this past two years, this week, they they would uh, gain or lose this many points. So this means now that the currently world number one, where McElroy will not be accruing any more weeks at the top of the rankings, with his total currently at 101 because he recently became the third golfer in the official world golf rankings 34 year history to break the 100 week barrier we have said before greg norman is second with 331 weeks as world number one and tiger woods top with 683 so right now that's how it will stand the the top 10 in the men are roy mcelroy john ram brooks kepka justin thomas Dustin Johnson, Adam Scott, six. Coast seven is Patrick Reed and Patrick Cantley, the two Patricks. Webb Simpson is number nine. Tommy Fleetwood is number 10. And in the women's, right now, the current number one is South Korean Jin Jung-ko with Nelly Korda in second and South Korea's former number one, Sung Young Park in third. Behind them, number four is Nasa Hataoka, Daniel Kang, Se-young Kim, Brooke Henderson, Min Jae Lee, Lexi Thompson and Young Yoon Lee six, so that's how it's going to stand until the world of golf comes back to play. Fred, 
2020 golfing calendar is currently on, on hold. We have talked about this. The next scheduled golf on the PGA Tour is set to be the Fort Worth Invitational on the 21st of May. The European Tour's next event is the Irish Open on the 28th of May. But they're hopeful that it goes away. Uh, Fred, however, it would be no surprise to see both events as well as the season further postponed with this current uncertainty of the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, um, I, I just, it just kind of surprised me. I, I hadn't thought about the world rankings, you know, having to be suspended. You know, they just they are what they are. You're not playing. Nobody's accruing any points. Uh, but uh, it makes sense to just stop them and say, okay, once we get to playing again, then we'll we'll pick them back up. So uh, just kind of it just kind of caught my attention when I saw that story the other day, and I thought that, that we ought to mention it. Um, just so people know, if you want to go and look, see what the rankings are, that's what they are, and that's what they're going to be until we start playing again. Uh, nothing's happening on either the men's tour or the Rolex rankings for the ladies. So um, they are they're on hold as well as we are. You know what, Carl, and I'm going to – I didn't mention this earlier, but um, speaking of Rory McIlroy, you know, he made the point when they were talking about this PGL, the, the pro – the premier golf league that, you know, maybe it should, maybe we go too much. Maybe there's too much golf. Maybe it's oversaturated and maybe we need an off season. Well, you know, we, we, all of a sudden, boom, we finally got an off season. We got no golf to watch or talk about really, uh, you know, as far as action, as far as tournaments, um, you know, for the last three weeks now, we're just three weeks into it. And um, you know what, Carlos, by, by about another two or three weeks, I'm going to be ready to watch some live golf again. I'm going to be ready to see some. And as I mentioned to you earlier in the year, I couldn't get excited about watching some golf because we've just had so much golf every week. It seems like over the last three or four or five years, they go all the year around. Now there's no break. Uh, now we got a break. I'm going to be kind of ready to see some golf and get back to it. What do you think? I can't wait. <laughs> really, <laughs> I, I, We need to see some, uh, whatever it is. I'll go see it. Just tell me where it is. Let's just see it. Uh, for some TV, let's do it. I don't care what it is. <laughs> I just want to see some. Uh, put the, put, put the mini tours. Get the, get the golf channel yeah. after the mini tours. <laughs> put them up. I don't care. We got Tin Cup out of West Texas. Put him on. <laughs> right, let's go. I'll, I'll do a five-hour travel and, and go see it uh, if it's that close. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we, we need some golf. <laughs> so, Fred, okay, with that, we'll wrap up our Par 5 news. And, uh, you know, you are the resident golf pro. And I got to say, I saw the video that you posted on Facebook uh, for what to do to uh, <laughs> while you're quarantined, not get bored and enhance your game and gain some yards. Uh, and it was really, really good. I encourage anyone that can watch it. Facebook, do you have it anywhere else that anybody else can see it? Because that was really, really good. It's at back9report.com. It's also on uh, Back Nine Report TV on Roku. But I have to say, Carlos, right now the Roku channel is down. Uh, Roku okay. has a glitch with our channel right at the second. They did an update, and they messed up our whole, our whole channel. Uh, they, 
the matter of fact, they lost all of our videos. They wiped it off. And so um, they've got to re- – we, we, we reloaded it, uh, but they've got to go through a process uh, and get that all back up on the channel, and it's going to take a few days to do that. So um, we're about three days into that right now, and hopefully they'll get that done. But, uh, but it will be. It's on Roku uh, on Back9Report TV. You can download that app on there. And it is at backnightreport.com. And, Carlos, I also want to say um, the the one that uh, was on the swing tips, I also have one on safety, and I also have one on putting tips that you can do inside that I'll be putting up in the next couple days as well. So I was going to talk about this later, but since you brought it up, I just thought I'd mention them now. Well, that was my segue into what you're going to talk about now is uh, the safety tips for the golf course. So uh, what you th- what do you have for us on those safety tips for when you're in the golf course? Of course, because right now it's uh, so many businesses closed and golf courses in several states that still remain open. If, you ha- if you're going to go and play, you know, you have to take some steps to protect yourself, even on the golf course. So uh, Fred, what are your tips Uh, based on what you saw there on Golf Week uh, for the golfers, what would you recommend? Yeah, Golf Week did a good job with some things they had. I had already written some things down. Matter of fact, uh, in the April issue of Ohio Golf Journal, it'll be coming out right after, you know, in about right by the April 10th or something like that, uh, in another two weeks, um, I'm going to have an article in there about safety on the golf course. And so uh, here, here's the first thing. Just use common sense, okay? Just, just use your common sense, number one. But limit the time in the pro shop. Uh, one of the requirements actually in Wisconsin is that only two people are allowed, allowed inside the pro shop at any one time. So, of course, the restaurant is closed. The bar is closed. You can only go in, pay your green fees, and then you have to, uh, you have to move on. Uh, so you have to wait outside to even go in and pay your green fees. There only can be a couple people in there at a time. Um, Next thing is, you know, ask for a single cart. And and I I think that's going to be pretty much standard now. They're not putting two people in a cart to maintain the the, uh, safe distance. Uh, Normally, courses are reluctant to provide single cart rider carts, but uh, they're going to be happy to oblige this request uh, right now because of the uh, social distancing. And then the other thing is uh, walk or uh, take a pull cart. Uh, Get some exercise. you know, you don't have to sit in a cart. You can, you know what, you don't have to take 14 clubs either. You know, the most anybody really needs is about nine or 10 clubs in the max. You can get by with as few as five, um, and you really only need about eight or nine. So leave some in the car, get a carry bag, go out and walk, and have a good time. Next thing is uh, just no handshakes. You know, bump the elbows, you know, do something. Don't touch the hands. Keep the hands away. Um, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't uh, uh, make the contact. Hang on. Uh, yeah, so um, no handshakes. Next thing is uh, throw in a hand sanitizer or baby wipes in your golf bag. If you ran a hand cart, wipe down that handle uh, before you take it. Uh, next thing is leave the flag in. The, uh, the USGA even says it's legal now. You don't have to take that flag out. We got new rules in golf. You can leave it in there. You see the pros do it. Go ahead. Uh, give those six footers. Don't worry so much about score right now. Just be glad you're out there playing and maintain a safe distance among your other playing contenders. 
And then the other thing is that the golf courses are going to do a better job in uh, wiping down your cart in between after every use. They're going to clean them out, wipe them down, make sure they're clean. But you know what? Again, take those baby wipes, put them in your bag or a hand sanitizer. Take those baby wipes, a towel or whatever, wipe the, hand, the, the steering wheel down, wipe where the balls go in, wipe the cart down a little bit. So you got some clean surfaces. Um, the other thing, um, like I say, the golf courses are going to take some steps to make them safer. They're aware. They're talking right now. I've talked to some golf courses, the owners, operators over the last few days. Um, they know they have to do a better job with restrooms and with public facilities. Um, but, again, I say use a little common sense. You know what, Carlos? I, I, we bought a, a uh, we bought a, a, a box, a, a package of baby wipes. I keep them right in the pickup truck. And so if I go into a store, I pick some up. As soon as I come back in the truck, first thing I do is I, I reach for the baby, wipe my hands down, wipe the steering wheel off. Um, you know, I, I think I've washed my hands so much the last two weeks, I think I've, I've shrunk a glove size, I think, actually. I think my hands are shrunk. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, again, it's, uh, you know, like Pinehurst. I saw a thing where – Pinehurst is placing a piece of PVC pipe inside the cup to keep the ball from going all the way down to the bottom of the cup. It's kind of sitting up there on top a little bit. You don't have to reach all the way down in there, which I don't think, you know, I don't think you're going to get coronavirus from reaching in a cup to pick your golf ball out of it. But if, if you're worried about that, don't do it. And if you're that worried about it, carry it, get a big spoon out of the, out of the kitchen or something, or get a pair of tongs that, uh, you know, go to the store and get a pair of tongs and pick the ball out with those things or a big spoon or something. You don't have to put your hand down in there, whatever. But I'm just saying, again, uh, use common sense. Keep some baby robs around. Wipe stuff down. Keep your distance. You're out in the air. You're out playing. Enjoy the game. Enjoy being outdoors. Don't get cooped up in your house, and don't worry about score so much. Just have a good time. There you have it. Those are the safety tips for the golf course. And I don't think there's anything really that I can say to, to add to that, but common sense, really follow it. And that's, what's going to keep you safe. Again, social distancing is the phrase of the moment. So keep yourself distant, wash your hands, wash whatever you touch and you will be safe. Fred, any other final words before we close the show? Yeah, I just got this last thought, uh, Carlos. Um, you know, we've seen this movie before. Uh, golf has experienced these bumps in the road before, and it survived. Uh, World War II forced the cancellation of professional golf for a time. Uh, Augusta National Golf Club was even converted into a cow pasture to raise beef for the troops. Uh, the attack on the Twin Towers on 9-11 saw tournaments canceled and all air travel grounded. Uh, the economic, the, uh, economic slowdown in 2009-2010 forced the closure of hundreds of courses and millions of casual golfers left the game. In the end, golf persevered, and it's going to do that again this time. A few of our favorite courses may not be able to survive, but the spirit of the game and the enthusiasm for friendly competition among friends will still be strong. Golfers will still want to travel to other parts of the country to visit destinations they have only dreamed about. Those same resorts will be ready to welcome them with open arms and a new sense of appreciation for those golfaholics that visit their facilities. So uh, the best thing we do, Carlos, is just continue to be calm 
uh, this thing will be over, you know, another few weeks or a month or six weeks, it's going to get over. We're going to get through it. We're going to figure it out. Golf will still be there when it's all done. So the only other thing I got for you tonight, Carlos, is that um, we did post the three new videos to uh, backnightreport.com. As soon as Roku has a backup, Report TV will also have them. Um, one is the safety tips we talked about tonight. Also tips to improve your putting while you're indoors and uh, the full swing tips that you uh, alluded to that's there right now. So, and if you're bored of being in quarantine and you want to look at something different, you want some golf in your life, go to ohiosgolfjournal.com or michigangolfjournal.com. Uh, got a lot of great golf stuff in there, travel, news, opinion, all kinds of great golf stuff. So uh, check those out, Carlos. And with that, Backliners, we wrap up another week of the Backline Report. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure to bring you the latest on the world of golf. Don't forget to join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Block Talk Radio. Or if you missed it, check it out on iTunes or tune in. Also on Roku TV once it gets back up. And if you haven't done so, follow the show on Twitter. Our ID is at Backline Report with the number nine in the middle. My name is Carlos Torres, along with Fred Alvader. We wish you to be happy, be blessed, and enjoy the great game of golf. Stay safe. Happy golfing, everybody. Good night, everybody. Wash those hands.